0: Okay, folks, it's uh, Alpha's next type of Friday. So, our uh, Mr. Market was in a pretty good mood today. Everybody, uh, all the indexes were playing and working well together, pretty much. Uh, Russell was up, VIX is down. And 10-year yield was up, meaning uh, the price of the bonds was down. Uh, Dow was up a little just a little just a sliver S&P was up just a sliver less than half a percent so a pretty calm water which is a, which is a statement on a, on a Friday so um, you know that's what it is so what are we doing today well what we do at, at alpha's next is is and we're trying to do this is Focus more on alpha, you know, because talking about the big caps and the see on CNBC is, you know, it's it's easy. (laughs) And since I'm the entire editorial staff here, you know, it's easy enough to turn CNBC on and uh, be a pundit without portfolio. But you're not going to make your big alpha uh, on things like that. Now, here's one that comes across the screen. I was going to talk about it anyway. S-R-N-E, Sorrento. Now, Sorrento came out with uh, some very, very early uh, reports about a some sort of medicine it's got <clears throat> that, I don't know if it's really, I don't even know, know if it's a vaccine or a therapy, but it has 100% effectiveness in healthy cells. I think it must be a vaccine. So, uh it went from 3 to 6, I think, today. It closed at 7. And I don't know if that's after hours. But, you know, this is the kind of stock we're starting to focus on in, in Ventures Next, which is our mini VC, uh, you know, investment vehicle. You were looking for stocks that are, say, under $5, but, you know, we make an exception in this case, that you can go along on and really... You know, the price of the stock is like an option, but it doesn't have an expiration date. So as we identify these stocks that have a huge potential on the upside, I mean, if Sorrento comes up with something for this, some big pharma company is going to snap them up, and God knows how much they'll pay. Uh, I was looking at a chart today of a a company that Scott Gottlieb uh, is on the board of. I think it's Illumina or something. And it started out, you know, like one of those to to use one of the few things I learned in economics class. It's like a asymptotically only in reverse, right? If you look at a chart, it starts out at the x or y axis, whatever is on the bottom, and it just goes up like you know, space mountain. And that's what happens to these biotech. I mean, I think the thing trades at six hundred and some dollars a share now. And when you see Scott Gottlieb on the board, he's on Pfizer's board and he's on their board. Well, he's not a guy who wastes his time. So uh, that's kind of a tell. So it's like the Tim Walberg tell with uh, our other pick that we, we told you about earlier this week. So, uh, you know, we're in on that. And I think with this latest Sorrento, uh, we're, we're probably going to be in on that on Monday. If I have my way, it was up four dollars and fifty-one cents today to seven thirteen. Now, normally, if a stock doubles, you don't want to go chasing it. But if the stock is seven bucks sh- and change a, sh- a share, it's like an option. So if it ends up at seventy or you know seven hundred, man, you're going to be one lucky person. And if you buy a hundred shares of it and it goes to zero, okay, what are you out seven hundred dollars? Big deal. So. And if that is a big deal for you, guess what? Don't be, don't be chasing it. You know, don't be investing money that's you know you need to pay the rent. So uh, that's the th- honestly, that's the tip of the day. I should have saved that for the end. But uh, but what we're going to try to do is we evolve this podcast is focus on that. And what we're going to try to do in ventures next is kind of do this more systematically, which is to say, okay. Uh, Those of you who are gamblers, you know, you can go to the roulette table at the casino. And if you really want to win, what you can do is put a chip on every space. So every number, whether it's red or black, right? Well, you're a winner every time. But the cost of the bet (laughs) is more than you win. So nobody does that. Otherwise, they'd go out of business. And the casinos know the ads better than you do. So... uh, you know, what What we're going to do is look at all these stocks that trade under $10 a share, let's say, in the biotech space. And we're going to focus on the uh, COVID situation. So vaccines, uh, coronavirus vaccines, coronavirus therapies. And we're going to find the ones that haven't already gone through the roof, like Moderna, and uh, that are affordable. So, either we can buy the share long and then we don't have to worry about an expiration if we play with options or we're going to do a risk reversal on it. And a risk reversal gives you unlimited upside, but it limits your downside. <clears throat> so if we do 100 of those and one of them takes off, you know, it's not like at a roulette table where the odds are the same on every on every space because it's random. You know, some of these have better odds than others. So what we're going to try to do is put more chips on the ones we rank as high uh, probabilities versus the others. You know, if if you put a 0.5 probability on everything, so it's a coin flip, or for those of you who are savvy and the options lingo, that means that the delta of the the at-the-money option is 0.5, which means it's a coin flip, could go up, could go down. What we're going to look for is the ones that have a better than even chance of, uh, of being winners, based on you know whatever we can get our hands on. Primarily in my case, you know who's what kind of analysts are following it, what kind of analysts are recommending it, who's on the board, what's their track record, uh, and I try to listen to docs. Like today, I found a doc who I just am absolutely a fanboy of now, and I found him on, of all places, Instagram. Dr. Jutland, D R J U T L A N D, and I don't even know anything about him other than I just got a notice on Instagram that he was live. So I watched it, and this guy is really, you know, just breaks it down and and translates his stuff into like common sense and knocks out all the medical nomenclature and. You know, there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on in the medical field. I've been doing this for 40 years, following it, since I went to work for the American Medical Association back in 1980 and didn't know how to spell, you know, AMA. But, you know, even a southside knucklehead like myself has picked up a lot along the way. And so when I hear a doctor who speaks to me in terms I can understand and makes sense to me, just as a non Clinical person, I can. I think I have a pretty good ability to discern, you know, who to listen to, and that this is a guy to listen to. So, if you're an Instagram person, look for Dr. Jutlin and follow the guy. I mean, he he is keeping it real out there, you know. And uh, what he said, for example, is that. Uh, and those of you who have any kind of clinical background may understand this better than I do, but he says the future of medicine is immunology and cell communication inhibition uh so you're looking at agonists for uh, cell communication and and his whole thing is that you know you have to understand the mechanics of how a disease operates and you have to intervene early before it gets out of hand. And he says, we're chasing it now, you know. And a lot of this relates to the way drugs are uh, priced. The better they work, the more expensive they are. So the more reluctant the hospitals and health systems and insurance companies are to authorize them. So they make you write all these, it's called step therapy. They make you write stuff that is cheap but it doesn't work, Wait, 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 and then finally give the guy what he needs, like remdesivir, which is in short supply. But uh, You know, there's a lot of drugs that aren't in short supply, but they are pricey. And see, the, the, the patient has to get to a certain stage of the disease, in which case, you know, <laughs> number one, the human suffering here is, is <laughs> not, not good if you're the patient particularly, or even if you have to watch. And secondly... By the time the guy's sick enough to need the drug, it may be too late to save him. So what he's saying is that we should be proactive. We should write the best drug first <laughs> and not write the ones that are 50 years old, but they're generic. And uh, it, it makes eminent good sense. So the payment system, even and this doesn't matter, honestly, whether it is... Uh, whether it's, you know, public or private payer, if if they're penny-wise and pound-foolish, it really doesn't matter who's paying for it, you know, or whether you're paying for it out of pocket. If the if the government is still doing this step therapy to, to save their money, uh, so what? You don't pay out of pocket, but you're still dead, you know? And you still have to pay for the funerals out of pocket. So, uh this is a very key insight, and a lot of docs feel that way. But his understanding of the mechanistic uh, methodology of, of, of diagnosis and treatment and the practice of medicine is very, very uh, insightful in my estimation and enables us to listen to him because, first of all, we can understand him, and second of all, there's a common sense argument and he points us to the fields that we should be putting our bets on. Um, and you know, I have not researched the immunology and cell communication inhibition agonist, uh, you know, phrase, which isn't mumbo jumbo. It's just that I don't have a good knowledge base on that. So, uh, I think, though, that what we can do is we can look for companies that are in that space. Obviously, when it comes to oncology, you know, I have, I have some connections that understand the science there, and we look for companies that are early stage and thus low price because they're high risk, high reward, and we either take a long position or we take an options position. So this is, as of today, this is the new direction we're exploring With Ventures Next. So if you are uh, interested in doing that kind of thing, the other thing we're going to do is frankly look, or at least I am, going to look for, uh, you know, if there's ETFs out there that are already doing this, then why bother setting up a whole Capacita machine? I mean, we still may want to take a look at, if if there is such an ETF, like an Alpha Biotech, which is what I would call it. Uh, If there's an ETF like that, uh, then... You know, we still probably want to take a look at the individual stocks in the ETF because and and make our own evaluation. And maybe we, you know, maybe we set up something similar to that in our portfolio, or maybe we put some money into that and then do some individual stocks. Because when you set up an ETF, you can either market weight it or you can uh, equal weight it, right? So, uh, equal weighting would mean. I take everything in the S&P 500 and I take 100, uh, $100 and I I put $2 in each stock, which, of course, you couldn't do, but just to keep it simple. 2% of my funds go into each stock. The other way is the market weighted. So if Google is 20% of the index, uh, then I would put 20% of my money in it, so then it's it's equal weight. It's market weighted. And, you know, there people could disagree about which is the best idea. I don't know. But um, I haven't even asked myself that question, but I know there's a commercial on one of these financial things where some smart old guy says that one way is better than the other. Uh, So we can take that same approach here. And what I would do is probably say, okay, we're not going to equal weight these. We're going to put more chips on the ones that we think are the better better prospects. So we're going to assign a probability of success to each one. Um, And we'll put more chips on the ones we think are going to be the winner's but we'll still leave some chips on the ones that don't look good because that can change overnight, you know. That could change in five minutes if they release a clinical trial or something. So uh, so that's where, that's where our head's at right now. And we're going to put some money where our mouth is. Now, uh, moving along, uh, my next, and I hope I don't offend anybody, uh, you know, with this comment, but... If you read the big short or saw the movie, you know that uh, <laughs> Deutsche Bank was considered to be the dumbest money in the market back in 2007-8. So I saw this, and it reminded me of that. Uh, Fulton Market Headquarters. Now, if you've been following <laughs> the the virus debate, a lot of people have realized, hey, people have been working at home for two months, and it looks like they're more productive Uh, so why do I pay for all this office space? So the last thing I'd want to invest in is commercial real estate office space. And I'm not the only one who thinks that, you know, I read this a lot. So a German investor today announced, at least it was in Cranes today, they bought the new downtown home of Oreo maker Mondeley. Uh, so you talk about buying high, uh, 98,000 square foot building, And it's the most expensive sale, shattering the previous mark, most expensive sale ever for Chicago real estate. $870 a square foot, and that's how they measure these things, per square foot. Um, And I think that's just crazy. (laughs) They paid, um, how much did they pay for the whole building? I don't know where that number is. Whatever it is, they paid too much in my esteemed opinion. Eighty five million dollars they paid for this thing. And the company that sold it to them, they've got the cost basis on this baby. They paid twenty point five million and sold for eighty. Now they had to assemble four properties and I don't know if they did construction and all that. Now Oreo has a fifteen year lease <laughs> so you know, at least for 15 years. Then. But I don't like that kind of a trade right now. So, that's one of the things I thought was notable. And I've noted it. Let's see what else we got here today. Now, here's an idea. J.P. Morgan Chase and American Homes for rent. So, that might be a stock pick. I don't know if they're publicly traded or not. Uh, They're going to build 2,500 single-family rentals in multiple high-growth markets in the West and Southeast. So translate that into Nevada and uh, Utah, probably, and Florida. And, you know, I saw a thing on CNBC today. They say that everybody who's in Silicon Valley is talking about getting out of Silicon Valley. So um, because of the taxes, because of the restrictions. So this is the trend where you move from expensive, crowded places to inexpensive, uh, less populated places with lower taxes, less regulation. So if you look at the blue state, red state battle, um, that's that's what it's going to be fought on. A lot of the taxable income, a lot of the tax base is going to be tending and it's going to be accelerated by this virus crisis to move out of those crowded expensive areas and highly regulated and you know you can get away with a lot of regulation if you're taxing guys like elon musk but now elon's talking about moving to nevada a friend of mine's talking about moving out of arizona to nevada because the state's getting purple and it may get blue so you know people think that way and money money is uh money walks in this case you know, they say money talks and BS walks. Well, money walks, too. And it's walking across borders to find better places to make a living. So um, so that's something to keep in mind here when you, when you talk about real estate. And I think the single-family home rental thing is interesting because a lot of people are going to be in the same boat not being able to get a mortgage because they don't have the debt-to-income because they don't have any income. And they've lost their job. And they don't want to live in an apartment building. They want to live in a single-family home. And these things are going to be cranking here. They're going to be delivering by June. So uh, those are some names I would watch. uh, If these things, I don't even know if they're public, honestly. But it's called SFR, Single Family Rental. Um, American Homes for Rent, Invitation Homes, and Others. So there's an idea for you. Now, again... That horse may be out of the barn. I don't know. I don't even know if they're public, but I presume that they are. Or I think it's likely that they are. Let's put it that way. Now, um, we talked about Wells yesterday, and it looks like the guys on Fast Money were right because uh, Wells dropped today after it popped. So it was a pop and drop, so I think it was like, you know, um, selling the rumor or buying the rumor, selling the news. You know, the rumor, I think, was just that. Uh, So, today there's an article in Market Watch about banks that are uh, likely to cut their dividend. And one of the reasons people are winning wells is because... uh, And isn't it odd that that article came out today, after that Goldman rumor yesterday? These are the ways the market works, my friends. So uh much most banks are in much better shape than they were in 2008 that's for sure we can thank that frank for that i guess if nothing else so uh, here's a chart comparing total returns with dividends reinvested of the KBW bank index US uh, bkx and the S&P 500 which is the SPX and Looks like the banks did worse, if I'm reading this chart right. So, yeah, banks did worse. And investors are looking at a difficult credit cycle. They're, uh, blah, 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 no bank balance. Let's see. The largest potential candidate, uh, to cut dividend is Wells Fargo symbol WFC which was down today and it's yielding 9% and it will the yield will get better as the stock price gets lower but that doesn't mean they're going to be able to fund the dividend you know or choose to fund it the next uh, least likely uh, less uh, the the next least dependable dividend I guess you could say Citizens Financial Group KeyCorp Huntington Bank shares, Comerica, CIT Group, Synovias. And so the higher the dividend, the less likely it is they'll be able to pay it is what it boils down to. When you get to the bottom of this list, um, well, everybody on this list is actually not a real big bank. So, um, you know, these also this is also a list of potential takeover targets for PNC. Because if they're struggling, that's where PNC is going to go in. And I think somewhere in this article they have the banks that are in great shape. I guess they don't. But, I mean, if you look at JPMorgan Chase, I do this from memory, but I think JPMorgan Chase pays about 4%. That's all they have to pay, you know. So, anyway, those are potential takeover targets and... uh, so on that basis you might want to buy them but don't buy them for the dividend and the the consensus these days seems to be as I listen to the financial pundits don't buy for dividends you know if you want to if you want yield buy bonds All right so we covered that now here's one I wanted to talk about Eldorado okay now I was uh I was uh directed to this because Eldorado apparently has a marketing program where they're going to give you three grand in funny money to play, you know, chips, which is very attractive. Not, I mean, I would even think about it, but I'm just probably going to think about it. If I could gamble online, I'm all over it. But um, it turns out Eldorado, I had not heard of Eldorado before, but um, they are about to merge with Caesars. Caesars Palace, I've not only heard of, but I've been to. Uh, and they are still planning on doing that. So, um, you know, that's about all I know about that stock. Is that um, it is? You know, the revenues are down by eighteen percent. That's not that bad. I don't think for a casino. Cash flows down thirty three percent. Let's see. They had a good January February, obviously. But they've furloughed the whole workforce. And you know that Nevada is pushing to open up these uh, casinos. But they've sold one in Louisiana. You know, this is all in the woods. Their stock is at 20, 21 bucks a share. But, you know, if they can turn it around, all these casinos are beat up. A lot of people like Las Vegas Sands as a casino. I I don't really know anything more about it than what I'm telling you. But something to, you know, risk reversal, buy 100 shares, you know, see what happens. It's an idea. I don't know that I would be pounding on the table for it. But. Now, here's a distressing story. Uh, now, this is on the rental side, not just the commercial side. But see, people live in Manhattan because they have an office there, right? Nobody lives in Manhattan unless they work in Manhattan, I don't think. Uh, the number of new leases for Manhattan apartments uh, was down real bad. The vacancy rates at its highest level in 14 years, which gets you back to 2006. Uh, new leases for Manhattan apartments plunged 71% in April. I mean, this isn't that good if you're... I mean, it's even for multifamily housing. So I think the... The old lesson of the more doors, the better uh, probably isn't true right now and may not be true for a while. And particularly in high price, high tax, uh, high regulation districts, you know, you're going to have people moving out of these city centers and into the sticks where there's no no virus, there's no taxes um, and there's no public transportation risk. the regulations are are loose you can do what you want to do and take your chances out there so that seems to be the trends you know it doesn't it's not all that good if you're uh if you're a blue state person okay what's this here's another one um You know, ready or not, here we come. States are letting stay-at-home orders expire regardless of the virus metrics. Uh, I think that we are going to uh, be loosening those regulations. Again, red states more than blue, purple states more than blue, Uh, major uh, urban or rather rural uh, and suburban areas more so than... The densely populated high virus load but ready or not here we come and that's bullish i think you know now people may scurry back and the other thing of course is you may you may open but that doesn't mean you're gonna have any customers so we'll have to see what that pans out to but um And I think officer coronavirus is the, is the strongest, you know, because the officer coronavirus is judge, jury, and executioner and still has the death penalty. And, and this is the kind of thing where, you know, if you get real sick with this thing, you're probably better off getting killed because you don't want to survive it. And then have the knock on strokes and everything else, you know, deep vein thromboses. um, but people are have, people have had enough with this, and they want to be able to be free. It's hard to argue against freedom of choice. But believe me, I've done it. Not a good one to pick. Okay, now here, here's a stock SCIX, SCIX, uh, which I don't know a heck of a lot about. But um, I did hear today on Fast Money, uh, John, or Pete Najarian came out with... Uh, some unusual stock activity, or unusual options activity. So I'm trying to remember what the name is for this stock, but it's, it's an XCNL sorry. Pretty schlocky production here. Again, I get it. SCI. But you get what you pay for, folks. Right now, we don't have a premium product. So it's a freebie. So you got to... Scix. Yeah, I should know what the hell this thing is before I start talking about it, obviously. S-C-I-X, well anyway, that's what I wrote down, but uh, S-C-I-X, this is a puzzler, oh S-C-I-X stack, okay, I'm coming up with good, S C I X. Okay, this is Global X Scientific. Hmm. Huh. Global X Scientific. That's a that's a fund. The mutual fund. Global X Scientific Beta Asia X Japan. Uh, okay, There's yeah. something else here. Yeah, that's what it is. So I don't, I don't know the thing about that. Uh, I don't even know what it meant. But supposedly there's unusual options activity on it, so. Yeah. Obviously that's not a conviction recommendation. But it's just something I heard today, unless I got the symbol wrong. But if, you, if you've if you got the ability to go on to CNBC and see Fast Money Halftime Report, that's that's where you want to look right at the end. Uh, another one, Digital Realty Trust. This was another Fast Money pick of the day. Uh, Digital Realty Trust, don't know what the symbol is, but it dipped today. And what that is, is like, uh, this makes uh, eminent good sense to me, it's it's a REIT, which is a real estate investment trust that uh, specializes in data centers. So the more stuff we do online, the more we're going to need data centers. And those things will just keep humming along and eating up electricity and making money. Uh, unlike nursing home REITs or some other REITs. Now REITs, just so you know, pay really high dividends. And you can get capital appreciation they also have very complex reports that tax time, so don't be surprised if you go out and load up on this, and you say, "Hey Terry, what the, what what's up with all this?" You know, you essentially are a limited partner in the trust, and so you get all sorts of your accountant won't like this when you get the forms. But uh, you know, I've I've had some reads that did really well for me. I had one called. Uh, and I forget the symbol of it. N- NYL, or NLY, anly Capital. I never even honestly understood what they did. But it yielded like 13, 14%. It was unreal. I got out of it, but um, that was years ago. Okay, what else we got here? There's a good article in the New York Times, How Pandemics End. And basically, the bottom line is that and it's a one of these historical reviews which is very interesting and i recommend it and uh the, there's a dr rogers who is quoted at the end of the article he says this is the sort of conflict now public health officials have a medical end in sight but some members of the public see a social end and he asks who gets to claim the end if you push back against the notion It's ending. What are you pushing back against? What are you claiming when you say, no, it's not ending? The challenge is there will be no sudden victory, and trying to define the end of it is going to be a long process. So, you know, the Trump administration is kind of declaring uh, victory here, and uh, people are rising up against this. In Illinois, you've got McHenry County, the law enforcement there is refusing to enforce the governor's lockdown order in Illinois. So uh, the governor says he's going to send the state police in. Well, if he orders the state police to go in, are they going to go? And are they going to, you know, take up arms against the local sheriff? I, You know, that, that makes for bad optics. So uh, at some point, you know, you can say what you want, but can you enforce the law? And will your you know will your uh armed sworn officers uh follow your orders or not? Um and if they don't, what are you gonna do? Call out the National Guard? No, that's not gonna happen. So and then in Wisconsin we saw that, you know, the uh the Supreme Court overruled the governor. And uh for a while there were no rules there yesterday, so all the we used to call the locals Cretans up there. You know, they were all bellying up to the bar. I didn't care, you know. Never get between a Packer fan and a bar. It's, you know. So, uh, so then today, a lot of the counties put their own regulations in, in cities, municipalities. So this is, you know, getting chaotic. Uh, ultimately, it's going to be people are going to vote with their feet and, uh, You know, if they wear masks or don't wear masks, you know, I think I'm wearing my N95. That's all I can tell you. So, you know what? I think that's enough for today. Uh, I got some other stuff here, but uh, just briefly, there's a couple of articles out on, uh, there's one in Market Watch about one in four restaurants won't reopen after Corona. According to the open table CEO. Um according to the New York Times, hospital revenue is getting crushed because you can't do electives. And people don't want to come anyway because they think they're gonna get the virus, and I don't blame them. Hospitals are notorious virus repositories. So uh, I don't blame them. What else? Oh, the Market Watch also had an article, the one thing you probably haven't done in quarantine but should, and that is take a look at your financial plan. Well, duh. you know I'm sure all our loyal listeners have done this. So, then... Oh, this, th- th- this is worth closing with. Uh, you know, those of you who follow... World War II history will remember the Manhattan Project, which was our uh, effort to create a nuclear bomb before the Germans, and we did. And uh, we ended up using it on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and people still debate whether that was ethically correct. But the Manhattan Project is thus used as an analogy for... um, You know, any kind of a Herculean, uh, all-hands effort to solve a problem. Uh, We need a Manhattan Project for fill in the blank. So now we have one, uh, and it's called Operation Warp Speed. And so they hired, there's a team, which reminded me so much, it may be that Trump (laughs) was trying to emulate this. There's your egghead. Uh, which would be the Robert Oppenheimer character, and I don't really know how to pronounce this person's name, mansef Slaoui? 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 S-L-A-O-U-I. But anyway, he used to run Glaxo. Glaxo smith Kline, And then Gustav Perna, who is a four-star U.S. Army general. So it's like He's the Leslie Groves or Graves. He's the four-star general. And and uh, the other fellow is the Oppenheimer character. So it's like an egghead and a general. And, uh, you know, it is, its it's got to be, you know, <laughs> it's too much of a coincidence. So, anyway, what they're in charge of doing is to develop a vaccine by the end of the year. And the reality check, it's not solely vaccine-based. So it's like uh, Trump said, vaccine or no vaccine, we're back. And of course, Trump wants this thing to be fixed in time for the election. So he's got an incentive. And that's what we mean by it's going to be socially resolved versus scientifically, you know. If you look at it as a public health thing, you know, we lose, what, 40,000, 50,000 people a year from flu. We lose that many on uh, traffic accidents. So if if the public health guys are running the country, they're going to say, well, look, nobody gets to drive. Because, look, it's dangerous. 50,000 people die on the road a year. Well, that's not how decisions get made. Because people want to drive, and they're willing to take the risk at an individual level, and it adds up to a really big number. So uh, we just take that for granted. We take for granted you're going to lose between 12 and 40 or 50,000 people a year uh, to the normal flu. We don't shut down the country from September to May. Now in this case, I am personally, my personal projection is we're going to be looking at 100 to 200,000 dead in this cycle of the COVID. And most of them are going to be guys like me, old, sick. you know, we're on our way out anyway. Um, so that is unfortunate, but nobody gets out of this alive anyway. And, uh, you know, it's like three or four X flu or, or automobile deaths. I think COVID ranks third or fourth or fifth, depending on how you do the count among diseases anyway. I mean, people are dying of cancer. People are dying of, you know, what they usually die of. So, uh heart attacks. So, you know, we, we, life goes in. And as long as we're in a capitalist society and not just printing money and giving it to people. And even then, you know, somebody's got to make the pizzas and deliver them. So, uh, you know, life goes on and, uh, I think we're getting to that point. So, but anyway, you know, if we can get a vaccine within a couple of years, that's fine. I don't think we're going to shut down for a couple of years and wait. I don't think that we're going to even wait for something that's uh, that's an easy cure, I think. People are coming out of the woodwork, and you can see it today. I'm driving around in Lincoln Park. There's more traffic, and you're like, hey, wait, cars. Because it was like a, a, a post-apocalyptic movie for a while. You'd go out there, and nobody's out there. Well, now there's lots of people out there. The weather's getting better. People are going stir-crazy. Cabin fever is an epidemic now. So, you know, that epidemic is probably going to overcome the virus epidemic. And as people go out and they come back and they're not sick, they're going to say, hey, you know, that's going to embolden. And they're going to see other people out. So, you know, that's just life. So that's... uh that's the news. But I do hope that, you know, this, uh, you know, I would hope that regardless of politics, we all wish that this project will have success and make it safe. And uh, at least as safe as it was before the virus to go about your business and, you know, not have to wear a mask with your wife. My wife is, you oh, you're love me because you won't kiss me. Well, if I kiss you, I might have the virus and then I'm dead. So, you know. But this is not an easy way to live. Uh, And even for me. And I have a high tolerance for, you know, unpleasantness. So uh, hopefully this will work. And I think on that optimistic note, we will end this seemingly endless episode with the usual uh, admonition not to steal our stuff, but feel free in fact we encourage you to share it with others so that more people can listen to this rambling uh monologue and we are going to make it a dialogue at some point here we're trying to find great guests for you we invited a couple of people uh very recently and hopefully they will come on we're also talking about doing zoom so you'll be able to see this face made for radio I will probably wear my mask just for aesthetic improvement, and uh, and to set a good example for all of you out there in the virus world. So uh, look for that. We are we are putting out content on the website, which is alphasnext.com, a l p h a s n e x t, dot com. So uh, you can read this stuff instead of taking the time to listen to me soon as we get a transcribe. And uh, so lots of exciting things going on. And again, if you're interested in participating in our Ventures Next operation and uh, putting some chips on the biotech table or looking for real estate investment opportunities, uh, or uh, angel, Angel Mini VC Venture Capital Bets, Let me know. You can get me at 708-334-8414 or TerryNugent at Outlook.com. So have a good weekend. Um, Again, my usual standard prediction, the market will not go up or down for the next two days, except in the futures market on Sunday. So stay safe, live long, prosper, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.